Welcome to the Successful Nurse Coach Podcast. On this podcast, Laura and Shelby, both board-certified nurse coaches, show you how to make as much money as you want in private practice as a nurse coach. Hello, and welcome back, everybody, to the Successful Nurse Coach Podcast. It is Shelby and Laura here today, along with some very, very special guests. We have our entire team. There are one, two, three, four, five extra voices on the call today. We have Amanda, who is our wonderful practice manager, Amanda Young. Um, We'll have everybody speak themselves into the group. It's going to be an ultra feat having everybody track the voices here, but we'll do that in just a second. Uh, we have Sean, we have Amy Owen, we have Amy Frame, and we have Cindy all with us today. And we're going to be doing something really fun, something that we've been planning for for a while now, probably the most we've ever planned for a podcast episode ever, to be honest. Uh, Laura, you want to tell them what we're doing? Sirs, you know, Shelby and I, we embrace flying by the seat of our pants because we just appreciate that kind of communication, that kind of rawness and authenticity. And so we wanted to bring the whole team on here, not to be interviewed or to have a topic that they've prepared for, to let you guys get to know us better and get to know ourselves better because we're going to ask the group a powerful question and nobody knows what we're going to ask. And then we're going to go around the group and answer that powerful question. So we'll each have an opportunity to speak a question into the room that we're curious about with all of our colleagues here. And we'll get to answer this question um, from what's on our heart, from nothing that's uh, scripted or on a teleprompter or on a Google Doc, just the successful nurse coach team on a Wednesday afternoon uh, doing a podcast. So I'm really looking forward to this. I have no idea what to expect. Um, yay. Yay. Here we go. Here we go. Well, first, <laughs> I say let's have everyone just like speak themselves into the room so that you know who is who. Um, if you've listened to our podcast at all, this will probably be pretty easy for you. But Amanda, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Uh, my name's Amanda. I am project manager for the Successful Nurse Coaches. And yeah, I have my own coaching business, Young Life Wellness. Um, I love you guys. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, AK, if Amanda is ever not on our team, the wheels are going to fall off. So that is not that introduction does not do her justice. We need you so much. Me, you, and Laura create a tripod, and then then all of uh, all the rest of our team we like are really strong. This is this metaphor is getting away from me. I'm gonna let it go. Anyway, <laughs> tripod plus other legs. We're not an octopus. What are we? All right, Amy Owen, you go next. Uh, hello, everybody. I am Amy. I'm one of the lead mentors with the Successful Nurse Coaches, and I have my own coaching practice as well. Um, I'm also a breathwork facilitator in addition to that, and I'm I'm a little nervous and excited today. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Sean? Hello. I'm Sean or Shawnee. It's both. I don't care which one. <laughs> Everybody has, that's like the question that everybody's asked me is, which one is it? And I'm like, it's it's both. Um, I'm a lead mentor with the Successful Nurse Coaches. I'm a fellow podcaster. And I, I don't know, I'm a lot of things. <laughs> I have my own coaching business. I support a lot of, a lot of nurse coaches in the tech world. And I'm super pumped about this, this episode because I, I'm the same. 
I don't plan many of my podcasts ahead of time. I don't write down questions to ask people. So this is going to be fun to see how everybody responds. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Sean. All right. Amy. Hi, I'm Amy Frame. I'm one of the lead mentors here at the Successful Nurse Coaches. I have my own coaching business as well, Amy Frame Coaching. And um, gosh, I have a little homestead that I'm building. And that portion of me is very exciting, <laughs> along with my coaching business. So I always like to share it. Um, and I'm excited to be here. Yahoo! Awesome. <laughs> All right, Cindy, round us out. Hello, I'm Cindy. I am one of the lead mentors for the Success Nurse Coaches as well. I also have my own coaching practice and I just started a podcast too. So this is a lot of fun and I'm excited to be here and to see what happens today. I have no idea what kind of questions you guys have up your sleeve. So I'm slightly nervous. I can feel my heart beating because I'm wondering. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, if we need to take a, a quick breath all together, Sue can edit that out. But um, <laughs> I think I think uh, I can kind of feel the nervousness, right? Like you guys are all like literally on this call, the most amazing and wonderful nurse coaches that I have the pleasure of knowing that we have the pleasure of having on our team. And I know that you're really fucking good at what you do. So these aren't going to be like, what's your favorite color? They're going to be like, Here's a secret question that's going to elicit the darkest part of your heart and soul. So there, there is a certain vibe <laughs> that's getting brought to the table. <laughs> oh, all right. All right, team. Um, who wants to go first? I'll go first. All right. Um, let's do it. Um, the first question that came up as I was feeling in to today was, What's one truth that you need to speak but haven't yet? <laughs> Lord's eyes. Damn. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I felt that one like in my bones. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We will, um, again, we have as much time as we need to think here. So, yeah, I would just, uh, I'll just, we have time. But we, whenever you're ready to pop in, Feel free. I'll go. This is so relevant to today. That's usually those kinds of questions elicit what's just on the tip of your heart in the moment. And uh, one truth I have not spoken out loud yet is uh, my daughter is struggling right now and I blame my ignorance in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And, and link it to it on how I treated my body, not knowing better in pregnancy. Yeah. Mm. Now we get to resist the urge to uh, yeah. coach or to. Yeah. I was wondering. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I don't know that I haven't spoken this out loud, but it feels like the truth that I need to speak right now in this moment which is that I'm burnt out. My energy feels super chaotic and I need a break. I'm going to piggyback off of that, Cindy. um, I think like you said, I don't know if I've never spoken this, but it rings true today. I really love doing nothing. 
Like I really, really love doing nothing and I wish I could do nothing all the time, every day. And that is my trip this week. I am exhausted and I would love to do nothing. I'll go next. Um, yeah, I don't think I've spoken this out either, but I've thought it so many times. And I think I'm going to feel a little bit bad for saying it out loud. <laughs> but sometimes I, um, sometimes I enjoy being up here in my office doing work and being creative and doing things that excite me than I do being downstairs with my newborn. And that is okay. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I'm not sitting here judging myself for it. I know like there are other voices that probably would. Mm. Okay, I'll go. This is Amy. The truth that I haven't said out loud um, over the past, this is, and I'm, this is going to be a little heavy, but um, with all the stuff going on in Israel and it bringing a forefront to my time in the service and spending a year overseas, um, I'm very aware that I have not dealt with a lot of the trauma from that. And I believe that a lot of my health stuff is coming from that. And that no matter how much I angle it to food or other things um, or try other ways to approach it, I'm going to have to dive into this. And, and, and I'm realizing like, that is my next step. Man, really casual insights, everybody really casual. Uh, thanks for sharing. Um, <laughs> this is super chill guys. It's really chill. My question <laughs> My question is a little lighter, but um, well, of course, oh, Amy wait, Owen, uh, of course. Did you go? Did you go, Shelby? No, not yet. It's my turn. Okay. Um, okay. Don't worry. I won't. I won't skip out. That would be unfair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just I was just like, oh, yeah, kind of like all those things in a version are also true for me. I was like, that's true. And that's true. And that's true. All the things. Um, my truth that I haven't spoken out loud yet. Um while I feel so much in a better place today, um, last week, I really, truly wanted to quit. Like, not like a ha-ha, wanted to quit, a or a, hey, remember that funny thing that happened? Um, it was the first time that I actually was like, I might have to like make that really tough phone call to Laura because I want to quit. I didn't feel like I had any internal space to give any sort of shit about any of this. Um and instead of that, I just know previous versions of me maybe would have acted on that or totally spun out or all the things. Um, but it took took some time and I feel differently about it today. Um, but I, I feel like I've, I'm always waiting for that wave to not come or to be at a place where it doesn't exist. And I haven't found the place yet, team. It's still hard, even this far in. Hmm. Yeah. Does Amy get to answer her own question? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, we are okay. All right. Yeah. We're making that rule. I love that. I was gonna ask that too. Okay. I was gonna. I was gonna opt out of this one. 
<laughs> it was on my mind too. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. One truth that I have not spoken out loud. I have done so much work in this of feeling like if I rest, it's safe to rest. Gonna work. This is my work, and I have. I'm not there. I, I don't feel like it's safe to stop. And I feel like if I stop pushing so hard, creating or doing and holding everything that I hold with being a mom, being an entrepreneur, everything is going to like burn to the ground and then I will have nothing and I'll be bankrupt and homeless and alone. Mm. And so it feels like I am not allowed to rest. And I just want to rest. <laughs> How's that feeling. tomb? How's that I tomb? Keep feeling it. I want a fucking tomb, Laura. Make <laughs> some team themes. Team themes. Team. We all want a sleeping tomb. <laughs> Need a sleeping retreat. <laughs> Come pay us ten thousand dollars to sleep, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that would probably be the most valuable thing for all of us to do. <laughs> no one needs anything from you. <laughs> I think that's how we would value it. <laughs> you just get organic gluten-free meals slid under the door every four hours and you're like, yeah. <laughs> that is worth is more than $10,000, you guys. <laughs> they diffuse your favorite essential oil through the door at any time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those of you entrepreneurs out there, we just handed you a million-dollar idea. Sleeping <laughs> <laughs> <Saving> retreats. <laughs> All right. Uh, Who wants to go next? Right. I would like I'm, to go next. Okay. All right. This one's a little lighter. Cool. What was the biggest hurdle to overcome to create your current level of success? Ooh, I already know. I remember several years ago at the retreat in Idaho that I went to that Shelby and Laura were hosting and Shelby was talking about kind of the secondary payoff you get from your own misery. She talked about it again at this last retreat. I could not hear that two or three years ago. The first time I could not hear it. I was so triggered. Um, I'm not keeping myself suffering. I'm not addicted to my suffering. I have no control over this. It's all happening to me for me. And it took several years to like let go of this like graspiness of like, well, but I'm, I'm unwell or there's something wrong with me or that's it was like a cop-out of actually just doing the work and doing the stuff anyways. Um, yeah, that was the biggest hurdle because that when you, when you've held on to this identity and this way of being for like your whole life, and then you get, you know, someone gives you a different perspective of that's not serving you. It, it takes a long time to grasp that. Um, and I think once I finally, was able to hear it and it landed. I was like, oh, it was just this relief of like, I don't have to just suffer. It's not, doesn't have to continue to be my story. Um, but that was a, that was a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Don't mind me. I'm just crying over here. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, listen, if everyone, like, you give me so much hope, Amanda. I'm so glad you're on our team because I don't know that I would have gotten to know that about you had you not. Um, uh, yeah, I won't. I'm totally not going to take 
full credit there, but it is just really cool perspective to be able to still have a sideline seat for today. Yeah. Well, and the, the time, I want everyone to have the perspective of if something's not landing now, like if you give it more time, it's probably going to land differently. And I didn't think that I was going to be able to continue doing any of this two years ago. And I was wrong. And that's great. So there's, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel if you can just practice some acceptance, I think, and some introspection. So good. So good. I know that mine was my self-value, knowing my worth. I had to overcome that sense of unworthiness and not valuing who I am at my core even more as I continue to do that work even more. So um, I find I step into my power in a different way and more fully. And I think I was also afraid of that. Like, who who do I have to be in order to do that? And that kind of scared me. So, yeah, it was it was a big deal for me to come into the worthiness that I feel now that I didn't feel three years ago. So good. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, mine would be people pleasing. And not like on the surface level saying yes to things that I really wanted to say no to. But like, I think that people pleasing tendencies or the fear of hurting people I care about or being misunderstood um, could have very much crippled my growth, not just like as a coach, but like as a as a business owner, as a really successful business owner um, and being able to distinguish like, when is it uh, my heart? here that is making this decision like coming from a really genuine place and when is it coming from a place of fear of i don't the conflict oh y'all i just hate all that so much still do um but yeah i i don't i don't want to even say that i'm even close to untangling that because every time i feel like i have a handle on it it's like just kidding you've unlocked the next level and you get to play even bigger um (laughs) so i think that but that that is like in the vortex of of growth and expansion that's the one that keeps swinging around and hitting me hitting me the hardest kind of like once a year ditto just kidding i'll think of another one (laughs) (laughs) i kind of want to piggyback off of that one off off of shelby's because mine is similar but a little bit different like because you said being misunderstood and that was probably my biggest hurdle is like overcoming the fear of being misunderstood and using my voice and not having it get shut down or rejected and feeling some type of way about it. Um, And it's interesting because I think people perceive me to be able to use my voice so easily because I am very visible and I don't have a problem with it. But there's always like this internal struggle of if if I'm authentic, if I actually speak up and talk about things that I believe in or share my perspectives on things, even if if it's a little spicy, am I going to be misunderstood? And that would cause me to like kind of hide and not use my voice in that way. So that was a really big like internal struggle. I feel like I still, it's still a big hurdle. It's still a big obstacle. And it's easier now. But that was really, really strong for me at the beginning. Uh I feel like one of the things that I'm still 
hurdling over. That's not how you say that. Jumping the hurdle over. Um, that's still not how you say that. Edit me out, please. <laughs> What's your biggest hurdle? What was your biggest hurdle? <laughs> I, it is seeing my own gift, uh, seeing my own magic and what I bring um, and acknowledging myself in that. Uh, I can't see it. Uh, it feels challenging to truly own it and step in more fully when it feels blind. I don't know if that makes any sense, but uh, yeah, seeing myself. I think the biggest hurdle that I've cleared repetitively is when I don't know what to do, like spirit will show me what to do. So from that perspective, I can't lose, like ever. I can only win or I can only learn. And if those are the only two options on the table most of the time in my brain, it's a lot easier to move. And it's just a much higher percent. It's probably 90% of the time, 10% of the time, I can't see it that way. Um, but it used to be 0% of the time I saw it that way. So it's, it's been awesome. The biggest hurdle I feel like I've gone through for my business is a belief that I deserved to be here. Um, I think about this now and my, my head just screams at me. Of course you deserve to be here. Um, my success isn't an accident. It's years of hard work uh, and dedication, dedication to my dream and my dream changes. And I still deserve to be exactly in the next leg of it. And so, um, but that was, really hard uh, a belief that I deserved to be where I was. But the only one that's like, all of you are speaking exactly <laughs> what I also start like, that's it's the one thing that I came up with is not just the one thing. It's like everything y'all are saying. So. <laughs> yeah. It's all a mirror all the time, mm -hmm. all the time. Uh, that's what I was thinking. If we can only hold up a mirror and see what we all see in each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We should do this more often. Yeah. Like just. We could play the mirror game together. <laughs> <laughs> Did everybody go for that question? Yeah. I think so. I have one. Yeah. I have one. I want to know what lights your heart on fire. Mm. Is pasta the wrong answer? <laughs> yes. I want it's to see the only answer, Shelby. It's <laughs> oh, a good one, though. It's a good answer. Uh, You're not wrong. Not wrong. Not wrong. Okay, I do have my answer. I think about this all the time. This is this is the type of question that keeps me up at night. Um the thing that lights my heart on fire most is people particularly women knowing their inherent value and that like their story their experiences their gifts are all not on accident and these like daydreams that you have floating around whether it's pasta or changing the world like they're on purpose right like you are gifted those things from spirit from the divine from the universe on purpose and you best not fuck around like let's not uh, think of thinking of 
the population that we work with and all of the nurses in the nation, the people that it takes to be here and to work with us, all of it is not on accident. And um, the lens at which I see folks and their potential and their their space for growth and just how how magical humans are to me. I'm like, oh man, if we just could really like own this, if we could really own it and put our feet in the ground, like that's where change happens. That's, that's where I get excited. And I don't know that I get to see that come to fruition. Um, but it feels really good to be a part of it. So as I'm thinking about this question, um, what really lights my heart on fire is that creative expression is like an essential human need. It's it's like something that even if you don't consider yourself a creative, there's a way that every human needs to express themselves. And, and a lot of times, especially as adults, and in this type of work that we're doing, I see it time and time again that that creative expression, that ability to to express themselves authentically has been stifled by something. And what lights my heart on fire is helping people uncover it. Mm. I love this question. (laughs) I'm getting excited listening to you guys. (laughs) When I think about what would bring me the most joy to look forward to, because I often think about this, like I'm not, I don't get super excited about vacations. Like, that's not like what lights me on fire. I know a lot of people get so excited about a trip and all the things and I just don't. And I'm like, Is something wrong with me? Like what do, what does Laura Menard like to do? Like, do we like to do things in the future that we look forward to? And I always think about like certain people like Ed Milet, like Dr. Wayne Dyer, like these people that I look up to, I just want to have fucking dinner with them. Like, I just want to have like unfiltered, raw, amazing conversation with the most extraordinary people in the world. Like I want that to be my job. So, uh-huh. But like that lights my heart on fire and like just thought leaders and people that talk about provocative things and really unique human experiences. Like I just want to listen and like hear them like that lights my heart on fire. I don't know what that's called, but that's the retreat I want to hold and go to. <laughs> I would love to come, Laura. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. I think what lights my heart on fire is when people come to the realization that you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Like, you can leave your shitty relationship, or you can totally change career fields, or you can sell your house and move to Mexico, or whatever. When people finally have that light bulb moment of, oh, there's no one stopping me. It's, it's, it is all really my choice. That is just the best because it's like, yeah, now you can really do whatever. And you've always been able to do whatever, but seeing people realize that they can do whatever they want is like, oh, I hope we all get there. Freedom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What lights my heart on fire is when I'm sitting with somebody, uh, this can be coaching and and other things, but when they realize what the fear is, and then they're, they're willing to step into it. 
I, it excites me more than anything to watch somebody overcome that fear and step into that courage and, and like, go for, go for whatever it is. And I think that kind of piggybacks off Amanda, but it's, it's true. Um, I get such a rush when I watch people step out of their limiting beliefs and like, go for the thing that they really want. Um, especially if you've been sitting with them for a long time and they've been stagnant and then they do it. And then all of a sudden something clicks and they just like step over that line and do, do whatever it is that they've been really wanting to do. I I like, I get so excited for them. I'm just over here like, Oh my gosh, if I could not jump out of my seat, that would be amazing. (laughs) What lights my soul, my heart on fire. Um, The first thing that popped in was, was when I facilitate breath, um, and I was getting curious of of why, like what that is, and why that feels so powerful for me is, I it, it feels like it allows people to drop this armor and like drop the layers of things they've been carrying, the protection they've been carrying, and feel feel self-love, like feel the sense of, of freedom or calm or peace or whatever it is that they, they're desiring and, and trusting, trusting me to hold them in that. Um, I, I feel like it's such an honor and it is an honor and it is a, um, I feel like it's why I'm here on this planet sometimes is is like to help and hold people in that way. Um, In that, in that release and that, in that coming in to whatever it is that they desire in that way. Yeah. Is it my turn? Did everybody go? Okay. So I get really lit up. When I get to have conversations with people who I will say, get it, like, this is a matrix and you can shift the energy, you can change your own energy, you can change your frequency, you can leave the matrix if you want to, you could stay in it if you want to, you can tip, tiptoe out, you can tiptoe in. And when I can have conversations with people that really get the deep truth and realization of that and they play in it too. I get so excited. Like I'll just get lit up. My eyes light up. I'm like in my body. I'm excited. I can feel like my heart beating. I feel alive. It's like, yeah, that's what I'm here to tell people. It's all, all of it's made up the power, the control, the thought that you have to work a job 40 hours a week and invest in this retirement that you don't get to really enjoy because you're probably going to be sick and dead. <laughs> like <laughs> all of that is completely made up. So why not make up your own reality and do it different? And I love to talk with people who are actually doing it different. And it just lights my fire. Yeah. Hell yeah. As our mentor yeah. says, it's all smoke and mirrors and pyramids. And once you figure that out, everything's available. <laughs> yes yeah Uh, I have a question I want to know how your capacity for joy has increased as you've grown as a coach as an entrepreneur and as a human being 
Oh, yeah, woof. <laughs> I want to, I'll go first because I don't think my capacity of joy increased until earlier last year. So I think that everything else increased and that was really lagging for me. And um, let me tell you one thing. Uh, the capacity to hold joy in your body is harder than holding pain and anxiety and mm-hmm. worry and shame and low self-worth. Like all those things are so much easier um, for most of us because we're used to them. And so mm-hmm. really changing my emotional home to be able to include deep joy um, without defensive mechanisms, for example, my husband can feel joy a lot more than me. And when he gets really joyful, it's almost too much for me. And I judge him for it. And so as I watch him have more joy than me, sometimes I, I just try to stay afloat for as long as I can. Uh, so I still have a long way to go there, but that was my goal last year was increasing my capacity for joy. Cause what the fuck else is the point? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I have a piggyback. No one's jumping up at this one. So I'll, I'll, I'll go next. Um, same. I don't know that I really felt my feelings before coaching, to be honest. I think that I intellectualized a lot and that felt really good. And it wasn't until almost dying um, that I had a big fat invitation to feel. And I took the assignment very, very seriously. <laughs> and and in that, um, I had to learn how to feel my anxiety and not just sidestep or ignore. And in in learning how to do that for me, I also learned how to feel joy and and like sustain it. I would get like whiffs of it from time to time and be like, oh, where'd that come from? How do, how do I find that? How do I find that again? Um, to where now I know, I know what brings me joy. I know how to hold it um, for more extended periods of time. Uh, and I've shared about this before on the podcast, but just like navigating my second pregnancy and all of the yo-yoing I did for the all of last year. Um, like the day that my the day that Rosie was born was still the best day of my life. And it was a fucking nightmare to get there. Like the that that being able to hold more than one thing at the same yeah. time was is um oh, like talk about the epitome of black and white thinking. If it's not all good, then it's all bad. Um, but yeah, that's been a huge gift that being a participant in coaching has given me in the past five years. Um, yeah, good question, Sean. It's hard. It's hard not to talk about joy without almost wanting to cry. And I think just cause joy is like a big emotion too, you know, like it's, yeah. it's, uh, electrifying to where it can, it can be emotional to talk about. I did a podcast episode with Shelby on this topic. It's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Yeah. I think it became very apparent to me as I was coaching women that they would not allow themselves to feel happy or feel joy. And, you know, our clients are often a mirror to ourselves, right? So it was like, oh, that's true for me too. <laughs> and it was moving, helping them move through their process of grief and deep shame and sadness and then coming out to the other side, once they were able to move through that, it, it's like it opens a gateway to allow joy to come through. And I noticed the same tr- to be true for me. Well, when I really allow the feeling to be present, when I really allow 
the grief to be there. And I just go ahead and I just lay in bed and I just let the shame burn. I just let the grief be present and I just scream and I do whatever. I tap into the somatic practices that I have. I I breathe, I whatever. When I let it move, then I can step into joy. So my capacity to be able to do that has grown. I feel like I still work to do, you know, as we all do, but it's definitely way more prevalent for me than it ever was in the past. I like the way you described that, Cindy, because I think the it's like a release when you can just accept, okay, I feel shitty today and that's okay. And you can just not have to hold on to trying to change it into something else or trying to should your way into doing something else like that release of it's okay then yeah you have that freedom of release and joy and not suffering um and i think for me just kind of increasing my capacity for joy in general over my life has been hard because I've I've struggled with depression and anxiety for so long that that was just how it was. And so I don't think I had much of a frame of reference for really embodied joy. A lot of the times my joyful experiences were really like numbing mechanisms. So like buying the plane ticket to go on the trip that was impulsive or, you know, staying up all night to drive to the concert so that you could get that, that serotonin. Um, And while those things I do enjoy in present day, for real, for real now, uh, I think once I could recognize like I was running from something and it wasn't, it wasn't filling my cup. It was just hiding the real problem. Um, And once I could look at it that way and kind of let go and release of, well, what am I, what am I trying to make happen here? What am I trying to feel in my body that I, I can't? Um, it's just so much, there's so much control. I have, I have, don't want to say I have control issues. I'm working through my tendency to want to control everything. Um, it's really hard because anxiety and depression is sometimes really strong and, you know, it's, it's, it's been a struggle to not view every positive thing as, well, when's the other shoe going to drop? Well, what's the catch? Like something has to be wrong. So letting go of that part of it and just being okay with like, things are just good right now. And maybe something bad will happen and maybe it won't. And that's not my problem. That kind of mindset was really when I started to be able to tap into it and feel it and not just feel like I'm running away from something. Mm. Yeah. I, um, I feel like what has allowed me to really step into more pleasure and more joy in my life is this awareness around my relationship with suffering. Um, and that I had, I felt like I had to have, I had to suffer. I had to, it had to be hard. Um, and to focus on that, that was like where my focus was always like, Oh, I needed it. I need to focus on what's wrong with me. I need to focus on how to improve myself instead of focusing on the, what feels good. What, what do I want more of? And I think the shift to that in the last couple of years in particular, this last year, and, and especially of, I get to choose pleasure. Like I get to feel that and build that capacity to feel it in my body without sabotaging it or, or, um, distracting because it's uncomfortable. And, um, I, I think joy is, is our capacity. My capacity to feel that has, been simultaneously with building the capacity to feel 
big charges like anger in my relationship with anger in particular, because that's something that I have uh, historically in the past, like suppressed or just discharged on people. And so as I've improved that relationship and my ability to feel it and, and like move it in the body, I've also been able to feel pleasure with more and choose it and choose to expand on it. Did you see that I just spit all over my keyboard? <laughs> you were, that was your expression of joy. <laughs> release. <laughs> yes. Release. So thank you. I love that question. Mm. Shawnee, what about you? Oh yeah. Did Amy oh. answer? No, not Amy yet. Answer? No. <laughs> um, Oh man, I was listening so intently. I was not thinking about how I wanted to answer this question because I was, <laughs> which is good, which is really good. Um, gosh, I'm going to talk about how I've increased my level of joy. Um, I am with everybody else on this page, feeling all the other feelings. Um, I definitely have had a, a huge relationship with anger. Um, Amy, you described it perfectly, either suppressed or release. Um, that has definitely been something for me in my past and creating a different relationship with that. That's definitely the last year has been huge impact on my life. And, um, but I have seeked it. I've, I've sought, I've sought, seek, <laughs> I have sought after it. Here we go. I have, I have, I have looked for it. Um, I've spent time in it. And what I mean by that is it can be as simple as driving and like practicing gratitude and really being in that and holding that absolute feeling of love and acceptance um, in whatever moment I'm in. And I do that on a regular basis daily and I connect to that and I cry every day. Like there is not a day that goes by that I don't have tears streaming down my face from feeling that to me, joy is like love is, is allowing yourself to fully feel love, which has not always felt safe for me, um, but it does now. And so I practice it at church. I practice it in my car. I practice it in the morning and um, I practice it. When I think about uh, a family member or a friend, how grateful I am for them. And I sit with that and I just let the tears like just pour down my face. And uh, so um, that's, that is how I've increased my joy. Oh, I love all of your answers. Um, I, I, what came up for me was very similar to a lot of what y'all have said of increasing my capacity for joy has been been a direct relation to increasing my capacity to feel everything else um and feeling like it's safe to feel all of those things at the same time like it's okay to feel joy and other things and like having harmony between the emotions that i'm feeling uh, but then like another piece of it that i thought of as well is acknowledging that i deserve to feel joy because I think for a long time, and I don't know, there's like a deep rabbit hole that I could go in of like why I don't feel like I deserve to feel joy. But that has been a, where a lot of my work has lied is, is giving myself credit and acknowledging that I also deserve to feel joy just like everybody else does. 
Um, and so like a gratitude practice has been really helpful for me in that. And along with the gratitude practice is giving myself credit for why I deserve what I'm grateful for. Dang, team. <laughs> it's good shit. <laughs> um, thank you for your vulnerability in this episode. Um, I'm imagining all of the voice memos in my DMs uh, after this one goes live. And I'm just really grateful that we get to spend a little time on this deep soul level today. And also, I want to ask my question, but there are rules to this question. I want you to fill in the blank. So I'm going to give you a prompt. I want you to fill in the blank and I want you to fill in the blank as concisely as possible because the potential to over explain or dilute is really high here. So the filling in the blank of I love myself when or I love myself because or what do I love most about me? I love myself when I allow myself to fully authentically express without masking or any of the other stuff that stands in the way. Mm. I love myself when I am like fully connected to my children and am showing them what love is. I love myself most when I break a promise to myself and I can giggle about it. I love myself most when I am really connected to my core, to my spirit, and I am in creation where I can let that flow out of me. And let my spirit out and let it play and dance. I love myself the most when I follow through on a commitment to myself. And then I lost it. <laughs> um, hold on. Hold on. Pause. I was like, we were we were on a hot streak there. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I got right. lost in other it's people's right. responses. Um, mm. I love myself most whenever I notice things about me that aren't actually me. Mm. Mm. That's a good one. Um, I love myself most when I don't miss the point. When I'm like really tuned in to the day-to-day -day little winds and little glimmers and little like soul sparks of like, ah, yeah, previous me did all these things for moments like this. And it's like dinner when the sun is hitting just right on my baby's face or um, watching Rob and Ada like leave for school in the morning, like just like the littlest of moments. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah, we're here. I'm doing it. Go me. <laughs> <laughs> all right i think we have a few more did we get to everybody yet amanda have you got well the question 
Yeah. Oh, no. I haven't gone with question. I think you might be the last one, right? I haven't asked Laura. a question. Laura, too. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, grab okay. a snack and grab a water. We're settling into our final two questions here. Two more. <laughs> okay. I would like to ask if you could travel back in time to 10 years ago and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? Just one. <laughs> Just one. Eat more pasta. Just kidding. <laughs> Not kidding. Not kidding. Um, oh, yeah. I think I would travel back in time and be like, it's not making sense because it's not supposed to make sense. You are a square peg in a round hole. Like, it, it's okay. It all it all adds up in just a little bit of time. I would say, girlfriend, it's all made up. All that's bullshit. You don't have to do any of it. Oh, dear Laura, I love you so much. You don't have to hang on so fucking tight. I would say, um, yeah, I would say that it's okay to feel. I would say... It's okay to choose yourself and also choose what you desire. You don't have to doubt it. I would say, gosh, you are six months away from the nine best years of your entire freaking life. And it just continues to get better. Just hang on a little longer. I would say stay open-minded because you do not know everything. <laughs> you know nothing. John. <laughs> yes. What? It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> How old were you 10 years ago, Amanda? Like 18? I 19? was 19 and very yeah. in the church, very sure. Oh, you knew myself you knew, and everything. Baby. I yes, had all the answers. Knew. It was great. <laughs> I think I was like in nursing school 10 years ago, like beginning of nursing yeah. school. I'm glad I yeah. never knew. I, I, I have always thought that I never knew anything. That's really worked out for me. Man, that's <laughs> a win. That's a win. Growth mindset right there. Expert versus growth mindset. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is the last question is a theme from the week, an internal theme from the week, and it is about integrity. And mm -hmm. I'm going to use a definition because I like to do that on podcasts, but integrity is acting with honesty, honor, truthfulness of one's beliefs and actions. When was a time in your life that it was really hard to have integrity, but you did it anyway? I'd like to preface this with everyone who can't see each and every coach started shaking their head because integrity is such an important part of coaching. Um, and I just saw all the heads nod together. Yes. <laughs> so I wanted to just say that if that you didn't cool see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My eyes were closed. I was in it. I didn't get to witness that. But thank you it was good. Guys. It was good. <laughs> I stared off into the distance and I was like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> 
What comes up for me is um, like difficult client situations, right? And I'm not going to like talk about details, but whenever lately I've been having a lot of situations with clients that have felt so difficult for me. And um, some of that is like leftover people pleasingness, but like to maintain the integrity of whatever space I'm leading in, I've had to like do some really hard things, even though they were super uncomfortable, have some really awkward conversations, even though they were super uncomfortable. And even though they were super uncomfortable, I still feel so good about them because it was in integrity. Um, I think if I'm always in integrity with myself and with um, with my clients, with really anyone in my life, if I'm remaining in integrity, even though the initial feeling is uncomfortable and yucky, it will always feel better. As this question comes up, I think about times when I've not stayed in integrity. And it's usually been when I've had to abandon myself in order to make other people more comfortable. Um, so for me, it's the times when I have stated my truth and that um, this is just how I feel and this is just what I need. And I honor that and I stay with that. And I don't let anyone else's emotions or fears guide my decision-making. Uh, I think one of a couple examples come to mind. One of those would be um, leaving my job. And stepping away because um, choosing not to let money rule my life, that I had to stay somewhere where I was miserable just because of money. That just doesn't make sense to me anymore. <laughs> um, I can't even like compute that one in my brain anymore. Um, and the other would be leaving the church I was at and not, not continuing um, because it didn't feel an integrity for me anymore. I'm going to ditto Cindy on that one. Uh, for me, the first thing that popped into my head was leaving my job. Uh, there was a lot of self-abandonment in my last job as a nurse. And um, the moment that that broke the, the camel's back, there was no other path forward to me other than to leave. Like that was, that was the, the, the final straw cleared the whole runway for me to just walk straight out and never, never look back. And I like to never say never, but I hope never that I ever have to go back to working in the sick care system where I'm at risk, where people are at risk, where all nurses are at risk. Um, that was like a my biggest um, moral injury is not the word I want to use, but like a um, a crisis of morality or maybe a crisis of integrity for me in that moment. I think for me, um, where I find, I think this is present for me now, where I find the most challenge in staying in integrity is when, when there is someone or something outside of myself that I know is, I don't even know how to say it, when there's um, something going on that's sneaky or manipulative and it affects me in some way or challenges me or my container or something that I really love or people that I really love. Um, I am in this right now. And I, and I, 
I, it's requiring me to constantly check in. Like, is this an integrity to say this thing, to do this thing? Is this my, am I staying in my own? Um, and that's challenging. And it's a constantly moving, evolving, feeling nebulous <laughs> a little bit in the process. Um, yeah. I think for me, integrity has always been something that has been really, really important to me. And once I realized that I was out of integrity with myself, and one of the ways was with my job and uh, leaving the healthcare system. And for me, it was the last straw was the mandates. I I couldn't stand in that. So I had to, I had to remove myself, turn in my resignation and walk away. What that one situation taught me though, in that moment was each and every time that I step into integrity, there's a payoff for it. Like something magical happens in my life. Like it's just uh, each and every time. Like, so not only is integrity important to me as a person, but I see the payout of living in integrity and watching your life actually um, just build. And I can say the same for the opposite. My life was falling apart when I was living out of integrity. It was falling apart. I think for me, kind of my journey as a stepmom, becoming a stepmom was a real big test of my integrity, um, especially because it all happened right when I was getting started in coaching as well. So, you know, you hear you have to put yourself first. You have to fill your cup first. You have to do self-care, all this and that, which, of course, is true. But I had never been in a position where I was a parent and it's not just my needs anymore that I need to pay attention to. So, you know, I'll save all the gory details. But when the, when the situation happened and I became a full-time stepmom, I was balls to the wall, like 100% mom mode. I'll do everything. I'll make every snack, make every dinner, make every lunch, do all the school stuff, like everything, everything. That was my instinct. And I think within like three weeks, I went to my, at the time, boyfriend, now he's my husband. And I was like, I am not enjoying this. This is not good. I'm not doing well. This is not sustainable. You know, I don't even know if I want to continue doing this, um, which is a horrible thought to have. And I hated that I had to go there. But I think being able to go there and like really intentionally sit with the idea of, am I doing this or am I not doing this? And then, okay, I'm going to do it, but I can't self-sacrifice and do this. And I have to be in integrity with my own needs and my own self-care and practicing what you preach, right? I'm not going to do everything I can here and burn myself out and then be on coaching calls preaching to other people. Oh, well, you need to make time for yourself. Um, so being able to one, make that decision, and then two, make that a regular practice of checking in. Is this too much for me right now? Do I need to take, take a step back and not feeling guilty about it? Um, I feel like that was that was a big growth for me, just knowing that it's okay to have these like ugly thoughts and not be sure. But if you sit with them and work on them, there there's always a solution if you get creative enough. Um, but I think yeah, that really brought my integrity to light because it was like, am I going to do this or not? What Am I willing to do this? And if I am, how am I going to make it sustainable? And, you know, so far, so good. 
right. I'm going to round us out here with this question. And similar to you guys, lots of moments flashed in my eyes when I was thinking about this to at the forefront that happened very close together. So obviously I was like winning at integrity for those few months, but, uh, <laughs> and they kind of played off of each other. I think when you step into integrity in a really big heroic way, one time it gets easier the second time. Right. So, um, when my husband came clean to me and told me he had never been faithful after we had been married and had two kids, I went through about 48 hours of victimhood and uh, just really feeling bad for myself. And something happened and I I wanted to be honest with myself. And in the honesty, I knew that he had an addiction. And when I looked at it from that perspective, uh, it got really, really clear. And all I could have was compassion in that moment. And it was not convenient because it was really delicious to be the victim again because I knew this role really well. I've been cheated on by everybody. Um, but the payoff was like extraordinary. Like the most honest conversations two married people can have when it's all broke, burned down. It was beautiful. And through that honesty, I quit my job because I was not afraid to tell him what I needed, right? Because I was integrous once with him. He was integrous with me. I was so inspired by his integrity. And then we just started telling the fucking truth to each other. Uh, and it was great. And um, but it was the hardest thing that I ever went through. And it was spontaneous and spiritual in nature. And I'm really grateful for that. Uh, yeah. Two rolled mm. into one. How you like that? Two. Two for one. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Y'all. That was excellent. That was excellent. I wish that there was a way that I could beautifully morph all of our answers into one like piece of pie that we all get to leave this call with today. Um, but I really think that this conversation is just a reflection of um, how wonderful we all are, to be honest. Like, I think that I, what I hope shines through is how deep in the work we all are all the time and, and yeah. um, that we are writing, we are literally writing shotgun <laughs> along all, all, all of our clients of the inner work, the inner healing and being really honest um, with you and with one another. Um, it's a really, really big privilege to be a part of this team, to steward this team and to have you guys here year after year. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Um, guys. You guys are awesome. Yeah. Go, go put your feet in the grass, take a deep breath. That was, I mean, I'm not surprised at how deep that conversation went, but like nice, yeah. nice clearing. Do we breath. know any other way to be? I just don't. I no, can't I don't think so. keep it shallow. <laughs> yeah, it's no. pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> we should it's do another one that doesn't have many deep questions and just shows shows our humorous side because we're all pretty funny. So <laughs> I agree. We, we really can um, be lighthearted, right? <laughs> and on the cover of that podcast episode, we should be required to look down at Marco Polo and take a picture of ourselves. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> not <laughs> happening. Every that single time I get that thing looking at, I'm like, oh, there we go. Like a lot. Oh my god! Yeah. It's not nice. It's very unkind, guys. <laughs> I go to watch your videos, and then I see myself all of a sudden. It's just not cool. <laughs> How many chins can we fit on a podcast art? <laughs> I got a few. I got a few to add. <laughs> My face fun, hurts right now. <laughs> All right, team. 
Thank you for being here, everyone. Thanks for listening. Come find us in the Facebook group, The Successful Nurse Coaches. We would love to have you in there. You get to hang out with all these wonderful humans, plus many, many more. Our community is really amazing. So come hang out. We would love to have you. And we'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye, everybody.